it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. We are back with a regular season edition of the Mile High Report Radio Podcast. That's right, it's week one. Uh, this is uh, pretty exciting. We've made it through so much. We've made it through the summer. We've made it through camp. We've made it through cuts, unlike Paxton Lynch. And so we are uh, we are on to week one. We are on to the, uh, to the Seattle Seahawks. And that's pretty exciting, Ian, after all this time. It's, it's time to really talk football. So let's talk football. It's finally going to happen. Or the Case Keenum era will finally start on Sunday. <sighs> That's what you call a sigh of relief. I gave a sigh of relief there. The Case Keenum era. Here we go. Um, and, and let's just jump right in. Let's not waste any time. Kind of a special night for Ian. It's his anniversary, and I appreciate him doing this uh, on a special night. But let's get into the keys to the game. Um, you... You know, I'll just give you mine first since I didn't get in on the article uh, because I was slow and working. But uh, I, I just think it's turnovers. Just like, I mean, I hate to be cliched here, but just like every game, if you are winning the turnover battle, you're probably winning the game. And if the Broncos want to get back to their winning ways, they've got to get back to 
winning the turnover battle like they did in 2015 when they won the Super Bowl, uh, like successful teams do. When you look at successful teams, they usually have positive turnover ratios. And so that's got to be the key to this game and to every game and to the season. So I'm kind of cheating on it this time, and I'm going with turnovers. they got to win the turnover battle. Which is something they didn't do the last two seasons, especially last season. They were one of the worst teams in the league at turnover uh, turnover margin. Not just turning the ball over, but creating turnovers. And that's one thing that needs to change with this defense is creating turnovers. Get back to what it was like two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, three years ago now. Um, so, And that will come by getting pressure on the quarterback. But we had – Andrew Mason makes this point clear. He He's with you. He thinks the key to the season – is turnovers, and he mentions last year. The quarterbacks last year for the Broncos turned the ball over 26 times. Jeez. Case Keenum turned it over eight. That's th- Those are different numbers. Just they're very different. One is single digits. One is double digits. What's interesting, though, if you're a number person, two plus six equals eight. So... It probably doesn't mean anything, but that's interesting, I suppose. You plopped it out there and expected it. I did, and I think it performed quite nicely if you're a numbers person. If you're one of those, like, what are those people called? Numerologists, where they're like, numbers mean things, man. Like, two and six is eight, bro. I feel like that's kind of where I was going with that. I was was told there would be no math. Yeah, I actually didn't know that there would be math either, but that was fun math. That was... uh, you know, that was good math for, for people who pay too much attention to it, I think. That's my opinion on that. To continue the math theme going, oh, the good. Broncos need to have more rushing yards than the Seahawks. That's my key to the game. They need to be able to run the football and stop the Seahawks from running the football. And defensively, it's because Russell Wilson is tough enough to defend on his own. The way he gets out of the pocket, the way he can make plays, the way he just seemingly always does something when he's scrambling around. He's like this generation's version of Fran Tarkington. Ooh, that's a good comparison. I like that comparison. So if he has a running game that's effective on top of what he can do, it makes it even harder to defend him. So make him one-dimensional. Make it to where he is constantly running for his life from – Chubb. He's got to be deathly afraid of the Chubb coming after him. Uh, or the Orange Rush. I think the Orange Rush is a good way to go with that. Because not just Chubb, but also Vaughn uh, and and anybody else who you want to throw out there. Uh, you know, that's that that is an interesting one. You know, I'm I'm actually gonna go in in a slightly different way because I think part of Russell Wilson's I guess what what you would call his abilities is it's not just escapability, which is a great ability to have, but it's his ability to make plays after he escapes. And that's where I think you're going to find big issues. So it's not just containing him. It's it's not allowing him to get outside, not allowing him to run around and make plays because that's what happens a lot. And, and what you see from him often is a play breaks down and he breaks outside. He breaks a few tackles. He's always got his eyes downfield. And eventually, wide receivers are going to come open. That's just the natural order of things because it's hard to cover guys for that long. 
And he has an uncanny ability to, to allow a play to continue, just like you mentioned with Fran Tarkenton. I think that's what makes that such a good comparison is even when he's outside scrambling for his life, he's looking downfield and looking for the right play, and he generally finds it. And so just putting pressure on Russell Wilson isn't going to get the job done. They have to hit Russell Wilson. It can't just be moving him around. You got to contain him and you got to hit him. And you, like you said, you got to make him afraid. And he's, he's pretty fearless. So that is an, a, a really important key to the game. You cannot let him take over from outside the pocket. And then my other key is offensively, they need to run the football. Mm-hmm. And that means a good dose of Royce Freeman, because as we, as I've seen since his first carry in training camp, that first Sunday, He's carried over, pardon the pun, to the preseason games. And I think he'll be able to do it in the regular season, which is why he's listed number one on the depth chart to the sigh and relief and pleasurement of all of Broncos country. Because had Devontae Booker been number one on the depth chart, there would have been blow torch, blow uh, pitchforks and torches. There you go. I knew, I knew out, that's where you were going. protesting. Uh, Booker being number one, but I, as we saw in the, in the third preseason game against the Redskins, we saw what the offense can do when they run the football, when they have balance, they are a fun offense. They are, it's, it's nearly, I don't want to say impossible, but it's more difficult to defend them when they run the football because it forces the defense to, to either put more people in the box or it spreads it out and it allows case Keenum to make, to make plays as he hit Emmanuel Sanders on that deep route along the Broncos sideline. It, it, the, the passes to Cortland Sutton and Demarius Thomas, it sets everything up when you have balance on offense. And that's been a bad word in Broncos country the last two seasons because there has been nothing balanced about the offense. It's just been either derp or terrible. It was derpable it's, is what it was. You know, I want to ask you a question about something because you bring up Royce Freeman, who as a Royce Freeman owner in one of my leagues, I'm very excited to see him as number one on the depth chart. But it, it begs the question, and I, I know we weren't going to talk about this when we sort of talked about things prior to hitting record, but I, I'm curious. Like we're not really talking about cuts, but Devontae Booker is still on this team, and D'Angelo Henderson is not, and that seems to be something that has angered Broncos country. Now I take it with a grain of salt. I, I like D'Angelo Henderson. I, I saw him as somebody who could be a, a solid running back for the Denver Broncos. But the team, the franchise, went a different direction. I'm fine with that. If you're going to make Devontae Booker your third down back and he's not going to be your starter, why not cut Booker and keep Henderson? Why continue with uh, Devontae Booker on your team when you could have gone a direction that I think might have brought a little more athleticism to the backfield? Not not that Royce Freeman can't handle the load. I'm happy he's the starter. I just don't see the reason to keep Devontae Booker if Royce Freeman's going to be your starter. I think the simple it's always the simplest explanation. The coaching staff for whatever reason, loves Devontae Booker. And I think the front office does as well. There is something about him that they like. I don't know what it is because anyone who watches him knows that 
he's not very good. He is a limited player. I called him the Paxton Lynch of running backs. <laughs> Harsh, but okay. But and I think the other the other reason is for whatever reason they didn't like D'Angelo Henderson because at every flat at every turn he flashed. Yeah, he, I mean, he that's needed, the point, right? He, he needed to have a strong preseason game. He needed to have a strong game in the final preseason game against the Cardinals. He did it. He wasn't active for 14 games in the regular season last year. The two he did, he flashed. The preseason, he flashed last year. And I think the key is, and I think the most important aspect, is fans wanted to see more of it. Right. They wanted to see if he could continue it. That, hey, he at every opportunity, he's shown that he could do it. Why not give him the opportunity? And I think that's where it gets perplexing because they continue to give chances to guys like Devontae Booker, who there are moments like that that run against the Indianapolis Colts, which to my recollection is like the only thing he's ever done. And I and wasn't it called back because of a penalty? Yeah, as I recall that that so got even his back. even the the one play that he is that that's his highlight was called back or negated because of a penalty which I think says everything about Devontae Booker. But I, this coaching staff loves Devontae Booker, and I think that's main, namely Vance Joseph. And they didn't like D'Angelo Henderson. Just such a, it's such an interesting – I guess it's an interesting thing to watch because, again, you know, I tweeted it out. Let's not get carried away. It's, it's just one player – but it, it is perplexing, right? I don't think it's the best thing that the Broncos could have done there. I think there was an opportunity to move on from Booker. You had the youth. But, okay, so now we're going to move on. We're, we're into the season, and there's nothing else you can do about it. If you're going to whine and complain about that, I, I don't know, join up with the people who whine and complain about John Elway not being the best drafting GM in the world, never mind his two Super Bowl appearances, building one of the greatest defenses in history and winning a Super Bowl. I, I mean – you know, it's just sort of how much are you going to question that guy when that's what he was able to build? I guess we're, we'll never find out the opposite side of that because he's pretty successful. And I think Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay are going to make Devontae Booker obsolete anyway because I, I don't want to see Royce Freeman off the field. And if he is going to be off the field on third down, I would much rather see Philip Lindsay on the field than Devontae Booker. Yeah. Somebody who's got some serious moves who can who can make guys miss. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Devontae Booker can't make people miss. I, I think that's the issue that we run into with him. As fans, you expect a running back who is either going to run people over or make people miss. He doesn't do either one of those things. And he he runs into his own players more than he runs into anything else, including the end zone and first down markers. So I can I definitely understand the frustration and I am I get it. I'm with those. I'm with those fans that are disappointed that he's that he's still on the team and D'Angelo Henderson is not. But this is this is where we're at, and so we move on and we move forward. Um, speaking of moving forward, we want to do it quickly, just like we want the Broncos to do it quickly. You mentioned something to me before we started, and it's it's a uh, it's sort of been a mantra throughout preseason, and it's it's one of those things that we will have to look for it in game one against the rainy Sydney bee pigeons. Um, can they get off to a fast start 
against the Seattle Seahawks? They have to. Because it, it, this isn't a game about the Seahawks. Because I, I don't think Seattle is going to be good. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. They're, I mean, the, the, Scotty made the joke about the Legion of Boom. And there are so many injured players and or guys who aren't even there anymore. It's the Legion of Whom, to be grammatically correct. I appreciate that, by the way. Um, so I, I don't think this is a game about what kind of competition the Seahawks provide. I think this is all on Denver. I, it, it, it's all about how, how it plays, the confidence it shows, what it does on the field. I, I, I mean, there's a stat that the Broncos sent out in its weekly release, and it, it speaks volumes about the Broncos to open the season at home. The Broncos are 44-13-1 all time in home openers and have won 17 of their last 18 such games. So they're pretty So good. this it's not about it, it's not about the Seahawks, it's not about Russell Wilson, it's entirely about the Broncos. Yeah, I agree. I think you're absolutely right. And I think the key to a fast start is, you know, I, in, in my opinion with this team, what you want to do is you want to get the defense out on the field and you want them to make a, a stop and you want them to make a stop early so that when the offense does come on the field, they've got good field position and they can strike quickly. And that's how I would start the game if possible. But if the offense ends up being on the field, a nice, long, sustained drive that ends in points is the is the best way to go but they've got to come out with some fire and that was something that uh you know you saw it in you know the game against washington you saw it right they came out they they were ready to go they scored points early they they were moving quickly but against minnesota when they didn't have a game plan very slow i think that you know that you have the sort of those two opposite ends i'm hoping to see what they look like in the third preseason game, which is obviously the dress rehearsal, which should make us feel better. And I am afraid we might get something slower just because I still don't trust Vance Joseph to have a football team prepared for an actual football game. I just, I still don't trust the guy. And I'm going to disagree with you. I want, if the Broncos win the coin toss on Sunday, I want them to get the offense on the field. And I want the first play Bill Musgrave calls to be a deep pass to Emmanuel Sanders. A couple of years ago, I was at the home opener. I, th- I think it was the home opener, but it was week two against the Chiefs. And one of the first plays the offense had on the field, Peyton Manning went deep to Emmanuel Sanders. I want Bill Musgrave and Case Keenum to do the same thing on Sunday. Statement Win the coin play. toss, yeah. get the offense on the field, go deep on the first play. Don't do any of this BS about running the football and like we've seen for the last two years. Show the fans in the stadium and watching around the world on TV or listening to Dave Logan and Rick Lewis that it's different. The mindset is different. The approach is different. We are going to come out and we are going to punch you in the mouth. They've done it on defense. Now do it on offense. No, I. You know what? That's not a bad way to look at it. I'm. Uh, I, I would not be disappointed if that's what they did. I also would. I, here's the thing, with Royce Freeman as the running back, I, I have no problem with them coming out and 
and designing some plays for him and making sure that you've got those scripted plays set up and having him be a big part of the offense to start. But I think you're right. That first play is an excellent opportunity on offense to make a statement. And I think the Denver Broncos have to do that this year. I think they have to make a statement with this first game. They were so poor last year. But I also think we shouldn't forget they won their first game last year. They won their second game last year. You know, I mean, it's not it's not like they didn't start quickly as far as the wins go. What they did to Dallas. Remember how high we all were after what they did to Dallas. And then everything came crashing down. So a, a win is a win is a win, and I'll be happy to see it. But it's going to take a few weeks for, I think, most fans to feel comfortable if, if you know, we walk away from this game and the Broncos have won. Fans are going to still be skeptical. I think that that's just the nature of the beast with Vance Joseph as the head coach right now. And it goes back to what we said on the last podcast, and that's they want to see what happens when this team hits adversity. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be able to keep it on the track, or is it going to derail like it did last year? And it happened in the Buffalo game. That's when the season derailed, and they weren't able to get back on track. They, they they have to show when there is in when there is adversity or there's a hurdle, some sort of challenge, that it's not going to derail this team, and we'll get a we'll get a good indication of that on Sunday, if they turn the ball over or if there's a, a boneheaded play, is it going to derail this team because it had to go perfect for this team last season, and that opening game against the Chargers, it took a kicker missing his field goal for the Broncos to win it. And that was the second year in a row that that happened. So it, no, you're absolutely they, did right. They, do they, do they, they stay calm? Do they keep their composure? Do they do what they were like in the Super Bowl year? So three years ago, and no matter what happened, they knew they were going to win. Do they have that belief and confidence again? And the only way to know that is when a moment happens in the game where it doesn't go perfectly, how do they respond? How does the coaching staff respond? If the, if the cameras on Fox this Sunday scan to the sideline and Vance Joseph has that deer in the headlights look again, I think that's a panic mode moment. For everyone. For everyone. We should all definitely panic. If, if that's the look he gives. Um, you know, let's let's go ahead and, and fast starts are important. And there's also the aspect of which players do we want to watch for as we watch the game. Who is who's your player to watch? Give me an offense and a defensive player this week that you're going to focus on or that you're excited to see maybe for week one against the Seahawks. I'm going to go rookies, Royce Freeman and Bradley Chubb. Because I think both of them could determine the success of the season. Because as I said, if if the, if the Broncos run the football, it gives the offense balance. It makes it harder to defend. And it opens it up for Case Keenum to make plays with the, that talented receiving core of Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton. You can throw in that weapon of Philip Lindsay, Hireman and Butt. So Royce Freeman 
he, he he's the tone setter, and I think he is going to be the bell cow back. I really do. I think he's going to to show when he touches the ball, just like with TD. I've, I've I said this after the first practice I saw him, I compared his running style to Terrell Davis, and that's how he runs. And I think we're going to see that same kind of playmaking ability because of that, because he trusts himself. He trusts his vision. He's a one-step-and-go guy, a one-cut-and-go guy. And then Bradley Chubb, I I mean, I, it, it's, it, it's potential for the Broncos to have the two rookies of the year on offense and defense. And you could even include Court, Cortland Sutton in that. But I think, I think Royce Freeman's going to get more touches. But Bradley Chubb, he's going to play a big role in containment on the edge, not just for the running game, but against Russell Wilson. He and Von Miller or Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray, the defensive ends, Derek Wolf, Gotsis, they're going to have to hold their water. They're not going to be able to get up the field and allow Russell Wilson to go in between the gap of the defensive end and the defensive tackle. They have to be able to contain Russell Wilson in the pocket. So Bradley Chubb is going to play a big role in that, and I think he's going to have a big game. But I'm excited to watch both of them. Absolutely, I'll give you I'll give you my offense first, and that's Case Keenum. And I, I again, I'm going with the easy answer here. I think, and yeah, it's cliche. You got to watch the quarterback, but the Denver Broncos have a brand new quarterback under center. It's it's the Case Keenum era, like we've talked about. Is it the Case Keenum era? Is it really? Is he going to take control of this team? And that's what I want to watch. And I want to see if, like you've said, if there's some adversity. Let's say he throws an interception. Or uh, there's you know there's a turnover or they you know lose the ball on down something can he bring the offense back out on the next possession and get points get something positive out of it uh, and, and if they start fast and they're scoring a lot of points obviously that's going to be because Keenum is running the offense efficiently and effectively and so I think it's important to watch for that and to see how he responds to that first home opener in Denver which I guarantee you he's going to be hyped for and one of the things that happened in you know in the preseason was he was a little too excited at times and had some some overthrows and I'm gonna guess that we can expect to see some of those when the game starts but I would like to see him adjust throughout the game if that is what happens and you know calm down sort of settle the nerves settle into the game and take control and I think that that's what Broncos country wants to see is a quarterback that's capable of taking control of a football game because we haven't had that for a few years so it will be nice to watch and then on the defensive side of the football I think that the the unit that I'm the most concerned with is surprisingly the secondary because that hasn't been something we've had to say over the last few years obviously the secondary has been very easily the the team that or the the unit excuse me that's been the best on the field right overall unit and so I'm, I'm not really going to go with one player, but just that unit in general. How do they, how do they sort of, you know, play? How do they play? Are they playing zone? Are they playing, you know, less man to man? Are they able to to make plays? Are they able to make things happen? And I really think, and this this may be a surprise, but I'm going to go with Justin Simmons on this. I think he's going to be your tone setter this year. I think he's improved. I think he's been obviously the the the, the safety that they needed to replace guys that they've lost like Derek Ward uh, and or TJ Derek Ward, TJ Ward, excuse me. See, boss Ward's gone. I can't even remember his name, (laughs) 
But I think that he's the guy who can set the tone. Justin Simmons can be that guy. And I love Chris Harris Jr., and I think he's the best cornerback in the NFL. That's my opinion of him. But I don't think he's the tone setter here. I think the safety Justin Simmons is. And so can he get that secondary where it needs to be? Because there were times last year where he got burned, where he made mistakes. And I'd like to see those things disappear. I'd like to see those mistakes be gone. He's a veteran now. He's a leader on that team. I'd like to see him be a leader on that defense. And that gets into some quick hits for the game on Sunday. I mentioned the Broncos' all-time record in home openers. The Broncos own a 34-19 and all-time regular season record against the Seahawks, which, as fans will remember, was their AFC division AFC West division rival from 1977 to 2001 when Seattle moved to the NFC the NFC West Denver is tied for the best opening game record in the NFL and owns the league's longest current winning streak at six games on kickoff weekend the their record in opening and season opening games is 38 19 and one. That's good stuff. I, I, I love it when you do these little quick hits. These are fantastic, by the way. Um, check, check them out on Twitter. Ian tweets these out before the games. They're fantastic. I retweet them. I know Jeff retweets them. They are, they are great. By the way, I want to mention, I feel like Steve Atwater would have really appreciated my, um, you, you know, my player to watch there on defense. I think he would have liked that it was a safety. And that's not why I picked it, but just I think he would have appreciated that. <laughs> and I think what's disappointing in terms of the safety and the secondary is Sua Cravens going on IR for the first eight weeks, especially with what we were finally able to see of him against the Cardinals, because that's what, that's what we had. We had hoped that he would be able to do. And the fact that we're not going to be able to see it now for eight weeks is, is disappointing because I, 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 there's your tone setter on defense. No, I think you're right. And in fact, when when the trade went through, you and I bef- before the trade went through, remember the trade was going to happen, and then it didn't happen, and we were a little bit disappointed. But then you were pretty steady on it and said, "Just wait. It's you know this this is something that can still happen." And then when the trade finally went through, we were pretty happy to see that because he looks like a guy who can cover the tight end, which is something that all defenses need, not just the Broncos, but especially the Broncos, and can have an impact at the line. He can be that sort of uh, middle of the road kind of linebacker slash safety who can put the hit on a guy and with his knee just not just not healing right and with the problems that he's having it is disappointing but if he can come back after after eight weeks and be uh, an impact player when he gets back I think it will still be a pretty good trade and something that will benefit the team for sure and that's the, the positive is that he'll get he'll have the time to get his knee right before he comes back after eight weeks, which is the amount of time. So I wouldn't be surprised if they hold it off until after their buy in week 10 and he's back in week 11. So they give him even more time to get right. And then hopefully at that point, the Broncos are still in contention for the AFC West. We'll see about top seeds in the AFC. I don't want to get too far ahead because as we both said, we don't have any faith in Vance Joseph yet. So, but it, that's what they're hoping for, obviously. And uh, the positive is that there's at least excitement that we're not debating the quarterbacks. We're not, we're not going back and forth. We're not debating on which way they should have gone or which bad quarterback they should have gone with. 
it's it's nice to be able to just be excited about Broncos football again and actually be excited that there is the potential for them to be successful. No doubt. I, and the other thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, you brought it up as well. You brought this one up, and we haven't touched on it yet, but what is the reaction if they lose? Because a loss is always possible. And I know that you've said that Seattle is not going to be good this year, but uh, opening game jitters, uh, maybe this team isn't as good as we thought. What What is the reaction if they lose? What if they lose? What? Where do they go from there? I, I think it's going to – Katie, bar the door. Because there have there have been it's been second guessing and questioning and not liking them bringing back Vance Joseph, and if they lose the home opener, which they haven't done, they've I mean out of the last eighteen they've won seventeen of them, they don't lose at home to open the season. It, it, it's just. It, the drumbeat is going to get louder and louder and louder. And it, it, I think the key to this whole season is how it starts because of the schedule. You open up with Seattle, then you have Oakland. You go on the road against Baltimore, host Kansas City, go on the road against the Jets. There you go. I mean, it, that's a if, if you they look have at this, to start fast. They have to. And, and the truth is, after that, they should be 5-0. and Four and one, five and zero. Oh, that's that's what they should be. Now I'm not going to get into predictions. I'm not going to go through that. But just hearing the names and hearing the teams that they're going to be playing, I think they should win at least four of those five games. Maybe maybe all five of them. And it starts off by beating Seattle. That's right. Because if because they, if you lose to Seattle, it's not four and one. <laughs> no, it will not be four and one. And it's going to start the calls for Vance Joseph. Isn't a head coach. He's not capable. He hasn't, despite everything that we saw in the preseason and all the talk about how it seems like he and his coaching staff have a better handle on what they're doing and this team. The evidence will come on Sunday, positive or negative. And as I said in my lead-in in the keys to the game, we will know one way or another how we should feel and what we should think. And whether it's good or bad, we'll know on Sunday. But if this team loses, you're going to have a lot of emotional Broncos fans who aren't going to have the patience for another season of we just need to learn or he he's he's learning on the job or he's he's just he's getting accustomed to it or any of the other excuses that we heard when he was brought back in January because obviously bringing in Case Keenum is what they viewed as the that was the, fix. the only thing sure. so if if it's still the same result and everything's the same ex- minus the quarterback People are not going to be happy. No, and, and they shouldn't not, be. And they shouldn't be. No, I think I think that's the other key right there, and that's that's the other point to be made. If the Broncos start the season 0-1, there is no reason for there not to be an uproar about why is Vance Joseph still the head coach of this team. And, and I don't care what you think about John Elway or what you think about the ownership situation. None of that matters. If they cannot beat this Seattle team, which you have said and I agree with, 
is a bad football team, aside from Russell Wilson and maybe Doug Baldwin, who are the two guys that you really have to be worried about. Doug Baldwin is hurt, by the way. And Doug, ba- and Doug Baldwin is hurt. They don't have anything else. This Broncos team should beat that Seattle Seahawks team, without question. And if they don't, there is no reason not to start the calls for Vance Joseph's job. Start them early, do them often. Because if he can't put the team together, if he can't have them ready to beat Seattle game one at home, it's time to find something else to do. Maybe go sell insurance with Trevor Simeon. I don't know. But it isn't head coach of the Denver Broncos. Katie, bar the door. I've I've already got I've already got my pitchfork ready, man. I'm ready to storm the castle. You already got your 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 ten suit on. You're you're ready to. I'm to ready to roll. Let's let's do it. Let's get him out. That's terrible. I you know what? That's a, I just and and I don't like to feel like I'm in that position either. I don't like to go into the season feeling like this. But there is that undertone to this team of is the head coach really the right head coach? If they win on Sunday, some of those tensions will be eased. If they don't, there's going to be a lot of cries for Vance Joseph's job. And I'll probably be one of them. Hey, regardless of how you feel, at least the Denver Broncos didn't trade Vaughn Miller. That's true. I, You know, <laughs> I live in Chicago. I live in the Chicagoland area. And it is phenomenal. It is fantastic. I just love the fact that I can be, I, now I can be a Khalil Mack fan. Yeah, he's great. The Bears defense is going to be good. Fantastic. Great trade. And thank God he is not in the AFC West anymore. That is, oh, thank Gruden, right? Oh, just thank Gruden. What's amazing to me is in that in that news conference where you had John Gruden and Reggie McKenzie, <laughs> You had Reggie McKenzie say one thing, and then in the very next breath, John Gruden takes his truck and basically runs over him, goes in reverse, runs over him, puts it in drive, and then runs over him again. He That's did. the Raiders. Oh my gosh. It's so it's so dysfunctional. It's so dysfunctional. It oh, it's because great. I hate that organization. Oh, I, if if that organization fell into the ocean and floated away, I wouldn't I wouldn't be disappointed, save for the fact that they bungle things so much that I would miss all of their mistakes. It, isn't it what's going on right now? Oh, absolutely. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be better that if it fell into the ocean? I think there are some Raider fans point, out there that would, would prefer still it. still had Khalil Mack. Yeah, no, there are Raider fans out there that would prefer if, if, the, if the team just fell into the ocean and disappeared because... They are so, I mean, you got Raiders fans that are done, right? I mean, you you see it all over Twitter. You have the two Raider fans. These are your two Raider fans. You got Khalil Mack was going to be too expensive. That's a great trade, which is just idiosity, which isn't a word, but it's the only thing I could think of to say. Raiders fans will think it's a word. Sure, I shouldn't. I should have just let them believe it. And then you have the other Raiders fans who are just, they're done. They're like, I'm done. It's not a commitment to excellence. It's a commitment to stupidity. It's not just win, baby. It's just suck baby and so i'm out and i think those are the smarter of the raiders fans because why put up with a franchise that continually screws things up and also why put up with the raiders i mean it's the raiders it's the raiders it's okay i will be i I will be convinced when they stay out of prison (laughs) true that's truth right there everybody that's truth so 
you can't deny that that's that's a truth statement right there. Um, do we need to touch on anything else? Is there anything else that we really need to hit on before we get to say go Broncos? We get to get you know here comes Sunday, everybody. Are you as excited as I am? I'm definitely as excited, and it's fun to feel that way again because we didn't feel that way. Well, I didn't feel that way the last two seasons. I have a feeling you, I'm, you tried yeah, to. I've, I've, you I tried, tried to, to push myself into you it. You right? tried to convince yourself to get excited. I jumped out of the plane. I I had a parachute waiting for me somewhere, and I jumped. I definitely jumped, and the chute just didn't. And open. I didn't even get into the plane. No, you. The plane flew away. You were standing there waving, and I was like, "I'm jumping, dude. I'm going to do it." And I did. I jumped, and. The chute didn't open, and we crashed. We crashed pretty bad. It hurt. I broke and a couple would, ribs. And I wouldn't say that we've jumped yet, but we're definitely on the plane. We have our we have our our, our chute. We have it on our shoulders. We're ready. We're we're in the door. I we're wanted, getting ready. Want to jump? But we're 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 hedging our bet just a little bit. Well, we're gonna wait till we get a little higher, right? We're gonna wait till the plane gets a little more altitude, gives us a little more time to pull the cord, that kind of thing. I think that that's fair. But we, we want to make sure that Vance Joseph doesn't somehow fly us into a mountain, drop, drop the plane just a little bit when we're getting ready to jump or <laughs> turn it and it throws us out. Yeah, I don't trust the guy. I, I, I want to trust him. You know, that's the other thing. I will say this. I want to trust him. I want him to be successful. I do too. I want we, him we to both, be great. We both said when he was hired that it, it had a Mike Tomlin type feel yeah, to it. It just, uh, his presence, but. We're not feeling it anymore. We want we want that feeling back. We're not feeling it right now. Hopefully that will change. I, I believe it could. A fast start on Sunday. That's what we're hoping for. So, And Brandon Quinn is listening right now saying, F these guys. Why are they doing this to me? <laughs> He's just happy that Royce Freeman isn't wearing 37 anymore, which just cracks me up. He doesn't like 28, though, either. Yeah, I, you know what? I liked 37 because it's different. Who else wears 37? That's the thing I think. Just here, tangent real quick, and then you know you can go celebrate your anniversary. Um, why not wear a, a, an odd number? Not odd like 37 is an odd number, but 37 is a strange number. It's not famous. No great players have ever worn 37 for running backs. He could make that his own number. Dude, you'd know 37, right? 37, Royce Freeman, done. I just think that's such a cool opportunity. But I guess, hey, who am I? I like the idea of him having 28 because he was number 21 in college. So what's the natural progression in football from 21? Yeah, another touchdown. And a Brandon McManus extra point, 28. I'll take it. And hopefully he can defeat the curse of Monte Ball. Ooh, See, that's the other thing. You shouldn't have even put that in the ether. That shouldn't have come out That's of your already mouth. out there. I know, but you didn't have to say it. All right. I, I, another quick tangent. Sure. How do you feel about Philip Lindsay wearing number 30? Because there is this weird thing with Broncos fans where they think numbers should be retired. No, I think football. And, it's like they, for, it's, and they forget that there's 53 players on the roster, yeah. and it's not like the Boston Celtics where you only have five guys on the floor at once, and you pretty much only have between eight and ten guys who actually play. Yeah, I mean, basketball teams have 12 guys on the on the court, and really you only have to get uniforms for like seven of them if you're doing it right. 
base I think baseball sort of has ruined it as well. You have so many retired numbers in baseball. You have you have league-wide retired numbers with 42, which I actually like in baseball. I think that that's something very cool. Uh, you know, you and I are Yankee fans, and so I love Monument Park. I love the idea of there's no more single digits and for the Yankees anymore. I like Ever the again. idea. I love the idea that Aaron Judge has to wear 99 because what else would he wear? Also because he's so big, what other number could you put on his back? But in football, you have to you have to start with a like a 90 man roster. If you have 15 retired numbers or five retired numbers for that matter, you're really limiting yourself to what guys can wear. And so I think in the NFL, you honor guys by doing what the Broncos do with the Ring of Fame. And you have their number up there with their name, and that's great. And you retire guys' jerseys. You know, you retire Randy Gratishar, just Gratishar. You don't have to retire the number. You retire Rod Smith, and it says Smith, and it has the 80, I suppose, but it, it doesn't mean nobody else can wear it. And, and that, to me, is, is sort of what you do in the NFL. Whereas in other sports, you can retire numbers and say nobody gets to wear this number because you don't have as many guys on the team. That's just all there is to it. And I love that Philip Lindsay is a Denver kid. You know, he's a Colorado grad, and he's he's wearing TD's number, who was his hero growing up. I'm fine with it. I think it's fantastic. Well, and what's the mark for what numbers you retire? Because I've heard the argument that it should be Hall of Famers. So does that mean Randy Gratishar and Louie Wright and Steve Atwater don't get their numbers retired? And what about the guys who are in the Hall of Fame? Does that mean Gary Zimmerman's number gets retired too? It's a good question. I think it's it's difficult and it's different for every franchise. I think John Elway was a franchise-changing player. You retire his number. I think Floyd Little, was who was nicknamed the franchise, should have his number retired. And... You know, Frank Trapuca, the 18, I'm fine with that. I like that it came out of retirement for Peyton Manning and went back into retirement when he left. And I think you can do that with numbers too. If you really have a great player that shows up and says, John, I want to wear number seven. If John if John Elway gives his blessing to a guy to wear number seven, fine with that. You know? Just, won't ever happen. It won't, but... of course. I mean, John Elway's a little, uh, I mean, he's John Elway. He's not going to let you wear his number. But if he did, I'd be okay with it. But I don't think you need to retire more than a few numbers. And I think it's got to be somebody who has had an impact on a team for a long time uh, and is considered an all-time great. And, you know, you know, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Ray Lewis's number in Baltimore is retired, for example. As much as I don't like Ray Lewis, his impact on that franchise would make sense to me to retire his number. That's an example outside of Denver that would make sense. But who cares? I mean, who cares? It's a subjective argument, just like the Hall of Fame. Right. Like the whole Champ Bailey thing to me. I, I like Champ Bailey, and I think he's a Hall of Famer, but let's let's not get carried away. He didn't change the face of the franchise in any way. Never won a Super Bowl. You know? And I, I'm actually one of those people that thinks you could make an argument that that trade wasn't as good as people want it to be. Clinton Portis was incredible. It was an unbelievable running back. It was a great trade, I guess, but... The things that Clinton Porter, Clinton Porter still has one of the best games in history with it. What was it? 218 yards and five touchdowns in one game against the Chiefs. I mean, you could make an argument that that was a bad trade. It's not a good argument. Let's, let's not get carried away. It's not a good argument, but you could make the argument if you had to. 
that would be like saying that the Khalil Mack trade was good for the Raiders. Could you def- you could you could make an argument that it was good. It would be a bad argument and it would lose, but you could make the argument. Which is what you're doing with the Champ Bailey Clinton Portis trade. Right. I'm making the argument. It's not a good one and I don't expect people to agree with me cuz I don't agree with it either, but I'm just saying you could make the argument. And I would definitely start with that one game, you know, five touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns and 218 rushing yards. That's a heck of a game. And I probably would rest my case there and then go sit down and lose. <laughs> I would take that loss. At least we are on to the regular season. Oh, my God. We are on to the regular season. Let's do that. So, um, all right. We're on to the regular season. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.